0: Hey everybody, and welcome to our Train Like a Trooper podcast. I'm Sarah Stewart, host of the podcast, along with Trooper Eric Foster. And today we're um, talking about a topic that's a little heavy for for the Highway Patrol. Um, one of our um, trooper um, our trooper deaths, uh, line of duty deaths. It's actually the second one for the agency. Uh, trooper James Long. Uh, he had joined the Highway Patrol in 1942. He had been working at patrol headquarters until approximately 1.30 a.m. on July 12, 1942. He was on his way home, and as he passed a park at Northwest 22nd and Broadway in Oklahoma City, he heard screams from an 18-year-old girl who was being beaten by a man who had followed and attacked her. When Trooper Long went to her aid, the attacker fired four shots, one striking Long in the chest. The reason this, we have, we have multiple uh, line-of-duty deaths for troopers, but the reason this one... Um, kind of sticks out for the patrol is this his murderer has never been apprehended. This is has, this case has never been solved. And so today with us we have Trooper Mark Dugo Kinski. Um, a lot of people refer to you as Dugo. And you have been uh, I, I don't know what you call it the case agent assigned. You've been assigned to this case to investigate this, you know, years upon years upon years later. When did you first get involved with this case?
1: Um, Back when I was uh, originally assigned to Troop Z, the investigative division, uh, one of the troopers made mention that there was a, an unsolved trooper murder. Uh, and, you know, my immediate reaction was they're not talking about our agency. And then I realized from my ignorance it was our agency, um, not knowing our history. Um, and like I said, at first I was kind of mad, like, how can they not solve something like that? You know, if someone hurt one of my brothers, there's no way, you know, type stuff. But then as I read the, uh, the copious amounts of documentation on this case, um, I realized that they exhausted every avenue, everything um, to its fullest, and that um, there are hundreds of people that have been involved in this investigation. So it wasn't like some shallow, short-sighted investigation, and that was my ignorance on it. And I'd like to say something, guys. On this case, many, many people have uh, interrogated this thing and, uh, you know, tried to figure it out um, with, with uh, not very good results. And so I'm not the first by any means to have ever looked at this case. There are hundreds of people that have tried to resolve this case. And it occurred, you know, uh, around World War II. So, I mean, I did when World War II was going on. So it's been a long, long time. Um, and the information that I was reading um, was all documents, um, you know, typed documents. Um, so we don't have the repositories we have now for our computers and things like that. And some of the information, there were files that were had been missing. There was not much order to any of it, so it's kind of hard to kind of disseminate all the information. Um, so I just want to get that out there. Um, And looking at the case, you know, this thing bothered me for many many years and the beautiful beautiful thing we have now is the ability to have uh, immediate um, uh, The information being sent immediately anywhere on this planet for the most part and my hope is that someone um, That heard something from their uncle their grandfather whomever would give that information and I think this is the best Um, form that we've ever had to accomplish that goal. Is the bad guy, the guy that murdered him, the coward that killed Trooper Long alive? I would probably say no. Um, However, you never know. And is it going to really change anything? No. What it will change is I don't want the the memory, the memorialization of this murder to ever really go away. So that's my um, motivation behind it.
2: Yeah.
0: And we're running up against right now is that anybody who might have information on this or who knew anything, they they're either extremely old or they're already dead, and that's why you're saying maybe somebody heard something from an older relative right. or something like that. <clears throat> that would be our best option at this point.
1: Right, and like the interesting thing on these these interviews, they've conducted dozens and dozens and dozens of interviews um, all over the place. They've had people that admitted to the to the crime that was found not to be accurate, we have...
0: Was that to get out of the draft?
1: <laughs> it, that, what's really interesting about it is there's a lot of that kind of correlation. They went to California, conducted interviews, and it's mostly with soldiers kind of, you know, in that kind of uh, uh, time frame. So you never know. And the weird thing to me about it is trying to put myself in the position of that era, like reading these reports because it's written differently, um, they refer to things differently, it's a little bit more formal, and then my perception of what that time frame was, as, you know, from what I know, um, is not really what I thought it was. Um, because in these reports it's really interesting, some of the words that they're using are words that now would still raise eyebrows, You know, and Norma Jean was 16 when this happened. So that was the victim that was being assaulted by the person that murdered. She was 16, not 18. Yes, man, that murdered James Long. So for her to use terminologies or people to use that is quite significant to me because it really shattered my opinion of what like Oklahoma City in 1942 was like, right? Um, It's an interesting story. It's a terrible story. Um, and I'd like, you know, there's more. There could be more than one person involved in this too. If you ever read her statement that she's given, it's very interesting.
0: So, I just did like the very brief overview of what happened. So, mm-hmm. so kind of tell, take us through what happened. Was he on? Was he on his way home, Trooper Long? Yes,
1: ma'am. He was on his way home, and we have. There's different statements in it. Um, some are. They're segmented so they're not all overlapping. There's just kind of bits and pieces of this. People saw a person running, they heard this or that or they saw that. So Norma Jean Cowan was the victim um, at the time. She's 16, she worked at Beverly's and she's walking home, which is really strange to me is she's 16 and she's walking home at you know two, three in the morning, unaccompanied. And then as you look at her statement that she's given, um, she was approached by several different people on her way home. Like, they were stopping, hey, do you need a ride? No, I'm fine. But it, it kind of was persistent. It was very strange. I, I didn't think that a 16-year-old would be doing that. I know my daughters were not walking home from, you know, Beverly's in downtown Oklahoma City at that time. So she, at one point, she describes a vehicle that had two people in it, and it, it had repeatedly po- passed her. Um, and she could hear them talking, and one of them, in that, she couldn't really make out exactly what they said, but one of them said, she's little, so it won't be that hard kind of statement. Um, then she cut through a parking lot, goes through a, a, a service station, and now that vehicle, one of these vehicles, was parked, and there's an individual um, that she describes as not wearing a hat, you know, had uh, you know, his bushy kind of reddish-brownish hair, and described a white shirt. He's wearing wingtip shoes, things like that, kind of descriptive, right? Um, And she continued to walk, and um, he came up behind her, and basically he said, you know, I just wanna, you know, F you. It won't take long, you know, I don't wanna hurt you type thing. And this kind of drawn out assault type happened with her. She's trying to get away. He'd force her down. He'd put his hand over her mouth, and then, you know, she'd say I'm not going to yell, I won't scream, and every time she he let off of her she'd scream. Um, at some point she broke free from him, ran. She was knocked down again, and was being assaulted, and the last time she yelled, um, that's when trooper long, according to her statement, was traveling by and he heard her, her cry for help, and he shined a flashlight from the interior portion of his vehicle he's driving and sees her and the and the assailant you know, um, the murderer at that point, not at that point, but the assailant um, standing there. So he pulls up, and according to her, he said, hey, what's going on? Ask her if she's okay. She doesn't remember what she said. And uh, he asked the the assailant that, you know, hey, don't get, you know, kind of like, relax. Let's talk about this. And then the assailant said, you know, I didn't hurt her that bad. She's okay. We're just, I was just trying to scare her, things like that. And then – Fast forward, Norma Jean says when the trooper when Trooper Long gets out of the vehicle, then uh, the assailant comes up and shoots him, um, and then runs off. And before I'm sorry, before he run, bad guy runs off, he tells her basically, "You don't know what I look like, um, you're gonna forget me," and then runs off. And as Trooper Long is dying, he gives his flashlight to her and tells her to call to get an ambulance and contacted the police. And then he made her promise, like a a dying declaration, you please help them find who did this, right? And she like, you know, promised him to do that. Um, So it's, I mean, a terrible story. Um, Obviously he did pass away and the bad guy got away um, and is still out there or at some point, you know. So that's kind of where it was. You know, he's just doing his job, you know, and going home, but he hears some a lady screaming for help, you know. And many times over, you know, either driving a tag mission or just, you know, going to a call somewhere, I'd always think about, like, the circumstances, um, like, at that point for someone to – this is 1942, you know, so law enforcement, the perception of law enforcement was not as it is today. Um, from my that perception um, – they were more respected and to do something was, this was extremely violent, you know, for you, especially if you have an opportunity to run, like the guy could have ran off. You know, He there's no reason for him to remain at the scene. He could have run off, he would have gotten away. They don't have like, I'm sure they had the radio system was probably really very primitive, you know what I mean? And the dissemination of information was very slow. I mean, he could have been in Kansas for crying out loud. No one ever known who he was. So that's kind of difficult to wrap your head around because now we're so, it's so much different. Um, and I would think that if we had the technologies in place, you know, there would be a better chance of catching them.
0: That's what I was going to ask. You know, obviously now if that happened today, it'd be, I mean, that person probably would not get very far. No. I mean, there'd be mass blue alerts put out and, and all sorts of things.
2: And that was one thing I noticed when I was looking through the documents was how um, the, the, you know there are tele our Western Union like telegrams mm-hmm. from different states. So it initially you know it, it got out and different states were trying to help us in locating this with plate numbers and different things like that. That was very interesting. Well, that's what, another
1: thing is like the communiques like and we've talked before. Um, like there's stuff from like from the FBI where they're submitting firearms for analyses and things like that. And then, then you're getting stuff that's stamped from J or Hoover that's being returned you know, to, you know, the highway patrol, I mean, that is, I mean, unbelievable to me, like historically for that type of interest in this, obviously it's warranted, but you know, you wouldn't expect that, you know what I mean? But it, it occurred. And like I said, and you've seen the documentation, everyone from a small sheriff's department to the, you know, bureaus of investigations through different States, all participated submitting firearms for analyses, all kinds of hints, clues, trying to help patch all this stuff together, you know. And what's funny about the parallels that we have now, not lessening what happened, but the, there, there's all these conspiracy theories still involved in this case that we would have today. Like one of the yeah. you know, jailhouse snitches was saying something to the extent that Trooper Long was murdered because he knew too much about this or this or this. You know, and that's what I'm talking about, the parallels. Right. You still, you know, it's unsolved, but you still get those same things coming up. It's really interesting at that level as well.
0: You were talking about how the victim promised Trooper Long that she would help identify the assailant. Mm -hmm. Was she cooperative in this investigation?
1: Initially she was, and then um, she then stopped being cooperative. And, you know, ideally, I wish everyone could sit and look through this and, form their own opinions, and then, you know, someone would have some epiphany and, and resolve this case with something that someone didn't see. So you really don't want to bias people, you know, right, and give them that pre-conceived, you know, uh, conceived, you know, what happened, right? Um, I wouldn't ever want to do that. Um, but she stopped cooperating, and a long time ago, Trooper Joey Franks, he's now retired, um, uh, They, his wife through a a genealogy uh, website, contacted her family, and they denied knowing any or denied her being involved in anything like or having knowledge. So that was kind of a dead end. And then we found out that she died six to seven years after this occurred, which is really strange to me, too, Hmm. because she was 16. You know what I mean? So I don't know if it was her lifestyle or, you know, what— but I think there's a lot more th- things here that we don't have access to. Like the way things were documented, we don't have like a a summary, you know, detailing the investigation up to this point so we can kind of track it. There might be lost paperwork. You know, obviously there has to be. And all the different people that participated in it, we don't have all their information and knowledge. Yeah. You know. Um, she stopped cooperating. Um, I did a statement analysis on her statement that she did. And... I don't know if the uh, criteria or the formatting that they base those statement analyses on would apply to this time period because things have changed on how things are described. But on a basic level, I would say she did know a lot more or she did know more about it. For example, she refers to the assailant as the boy and then she referred to him as the man traditionally in an investigative arena they'll say if i refer to someone in that manner being a woman that there's a sexual or um, some type of attract uh, your physical attraction to that person so i don't know if she was referring to that because it's so such an older time era right so i don't know when those those kind of that kind of changed but if that was true then she refers to him that which means she had some relationship with that individual.
2: Or at least knew him or from knew, somewhere. Or knew him,
1: absolutely. And if you listen to their interview with the troopers that are talking to her, they're asking her about when's the last time you dated somebody, and it kind of revolves around that. And if you look at her statement, it revolves around people who are, like, propositioning or, like, getting off of work if she needs a ride home. I mean, it's that's just very odd to me. And I'm not accusing anyone of anything, but if you look at it from the, you know, looking at it from what we have, it's just a very strange environment. Yeah. You know what I mean? That she was in. Yeah. Right.
0: Were there actually any arrests made?
1: They made, well, they made arrests, you know, but nothing ever, nothing ever panned out. Um, and then, like, one of those rewards, I don't know if you saw the paperwork and that, the reward that's still in the, that was in the bank in Oklahoma City for the, to find who had done it or having knowledge of it. And looking at the information, man, if that guy got out of a vehicle that there's another person in, yeah. obviously he has a buddy somewhere, right? If it's the same vehicle, you know, same people that have passed her, then there's another person out there that would be familiar, somewhat familiar with this or have knowledge of it. So that kind of also... Creates a larger area for our for us to cast a net because there's another person involved. And
2: and correct me if I'm wrong, but there was a witness to the actual incident, but it was far far away, right, right
1: across the street. Across the street, and they saw the you know the incident. They heard the the shouting and things like that. Then they saw, you know, the bad guy running off. Right. Yeah.
0: When you first started looking at you know got this case. You kind of said you know you thought well there's, there's got to be something that that somebody missed in here. Were you fairly confident when you first got it? you're like okay well I'm gonna, I'm gonna find something. There's well, that, something. I
1: mean it's it's everyone's deal. It's like oh there's no way I can't solve this or I can't figure it out. You know, and but the time proximity is terrible. You know the information we have is somewhat is mean, extremely limited. You know what I mean? And we can infer a lot of, you know things that we think happened but we really can't prove it anymore you know what i mean and that was disappointing to me you know because i realized that immediately how this was not just they didn't go oh no big deal but they put a lot of time years into this case and they couldn't figure it out
2: that's one of the important things to just it's not really a sidebar but on the highway patrol side You know, we take this stuff very seriously. We, you know, as we train together and we are bred together, we're brothers and sisters very much. And, uh, you know, in our academy, we spend a lot of time uh, talking about uh, those men that have lost their lives in in doing this job. And so it's not like, you know, some people listen to podcasts and, and they they look at it from an outside angle uh, you know, uh, highway patrol, that's just another job or other law enforcement agencies listening to our podcast and they think, you know, that it's just another job. But for us in the highway patrol, we're very tight knit. And when one of our own gets injured or, or, uh, hurt like that, we can go out of our way to, to really, um, try to take care of each other.
1: You know, that's, that's very true. But also, I mean, I even forward that more. I mean, a lot of the guys that I know, that I've worked around, from my experience, they, they expand that to the people that they work for, too. Yes. You know, they kind of take it personal. Yes. And these guys are competitive. Men and women are very competitive, and they don't want to let things like this go, you know, without getting to the bottom of it. And that's very consistent with our, with our personnel, yeah. and I've seen that over the years.
0: This case is not really being actively worked right now, right? Because there's not really anything active to be doing on it.
1: No. Uh, the whole thing is just information, you know. If someone, this is just getting the the word out there, you know. Um, like I said, who knows? And is it going to change anything? Maybe, but I mean, it's just it would be just nice to know. And like I said, we don't want to forget about about this or anyone else that's passed doing this job. That's very important to us.
0: How much time have you dedicated to this case? You probably did quite a bit in the beginning when you first got it.
1: Well, basically, I just started reading it, and I mean, it's. The assigned part of it's really not assigned. It's just something that I was doing because it really bothered me. You know, And like I said, I was going to take care of it. But, you know, it's just one of those deals. So and we've been talking about it for a long time. I wish we had, you know, this ability, you know, 30 years ago or 40 years ago, you know, something like that. But, you know, those are just wishes now. So if anyone hears anything or they, you know, think of something, you know, hey, No big deal. But at the end of the day, this is to not forget about, you know, Trooper Long and his family and everyone else that's passed for us.
0: Do we still have contact with his family?
1: I don't. Um, And don't get me lying. Um, I've heard things in the past, but I can't speak to the truth of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, like you said, and just and we have multiple line of duty deaths, but this this one just it, it stands out because well, nobody just, knows who did it.
1: Right, that, exactly. It's exactly true, and like I said, that things are so immediate now. Then, if something happened and he runs off, you know, he could be so far away. There's no way to, you know, and they didn't have the DNA technologies. There's no cameras on the corner, you know. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that.
0: Nobody had their cell phone out? No one had <laughs> videoing it.
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, things are a lot different now, uh-huh. you know, unfortunately.
0: Uh, was there any forensics done back then? I mean, you talked a little bit about firearms and they, stuff like that.
1: Yes, they would submit firearms for uh, for ballistic analyses, and th- they were able to do that. I mean, it was cutting edge at the time. You know, But if you think about FBI, that's still an infancy stage organization too, man. Mm-hmm. So this is just a weird time frame, And then if you think about the war going on, I mean, that's, that was back in the day when everyone took care of each other and they were dedicated to stuff like that as an uh, community, you know, so they're focusing on that, you know, making sure that, you know, they take care of our soldiers, you know, and and the American, um, you know, dream stuff. Um, So I think there was a lot going on. It was just a terrible time, you know, timing wise for all of this.
0: Were there any theories that you are able to talk about, about, you know, what might have happened, who this guy might have been?
1: Look, man, I tell you this. I I go back and forth. A lot's based on her statement, because that's all I have. And then you start looking at these other things and trying to figure it out, like, what was the bad guy hiding? Why would he just not say, hey, you got me? Because basically you had an assault, right? You know, Norma Jean said that she could smell alcohol on his breath, but... I really don't think someone is going to be that drunk that they're going to kill a trooper because he got caught wrestling with a girl or assaulting a woman, right? Yeah. And I'm not minimizing what he did at all. Um, so he made a decision that was a severe. So there has to, in my mind, this is just my mind, there has to be more to it. There ha- He's a wall, and there's some theories on that. A uh, He had done something else. He just killed somebody else. He had just done something. And he runs around with a pistol in their pocket, man. You know, those types of things, there's a lot of things we missed that we don't have access to anymore. So I think that it was part of a bigger picture, obviously. Um, And I think that Norma Jean was familiar with him at some level. Uh, She had seen him. Who knows? Who knows what she did? Who knows what her background was?
2: Well, I mean, she was a waitress at a restaurant, too. So, I mean, she may have served him, yeah. I yeah. mean, she so, may have seen him. who knows? Right.
1: And maybe there was some attraction at some point, and something was like, hey, I get off. I'm, I'm just, this is just, you know, conjecture. But, you know, there's a, there has to be something more going on here um, for someone to kill a state trooper back in 1942 over something that at that level.
0: Mm-hmm. Was it? Did you guys widely suspect that she was possibly protecting him in some way?
1: Well, there's other – some people say that it was, i.e., a relative, boyfriend, you know, close person of, you know, something like that. Um, but I, you can't really prove it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Everyone has their own little theories on it and stuff like that. They'll say, oh, this guy matched the uh, description of her cousin or this person, you know, but there's, there's no definite uh, – answers to it it's just it's just really sad you know i wish that she would you know been able to if she had the information to to tell the truth and say yeah it was so and so and this is how i knew him and then so they could catch him Mm -hmm. you know
0: he he very well might have gone to jail later on in his life or shortly after that and could have possibly been in jail or prison or something else
1: yeah and i don't want to be mean about it but I, i look man i think of it like this I'm the guy that believes what comes around goes around. So, you know, I'm sure he was, um, you know, he paid his penance to some level, you know, either here or, in, you know, the next world. So mm-hmm. I find comfort in that, but I'd really like to know who it was.
0: Yeah. We've talked about, like, trying to reach out to, I don't know, more national platforms like Dateline or, so. you know, somebody that could actually – put effort into, like, reconstructing this and, and going into all the details because there are so many details in those documents. Yeah,
1: yeah, we've talked about, I mean, I've talked about that for a long time. I think that if you got uh, the interest in it, right, then obviously then you could have the backing and you could really you know do a, a good production on it. And who knows what it would bring, man. Um, I think it would be beneficial. And then um, it just takes everyone working together, man, at the end of the day, um, trying to help other people out and that's what we really need to get back to i think
0: yeah because i mean like you said there's at least somebody out there that knows something about this
1: a cellmate you know a granddaughter a cousin someone that will i'm telling you man they can say when he a long time ago my grandfather was driving a tractor and he said that he's you know that kind of stuff man and then if any of those names cross paths with what we have they'll kind of give us an idea yeah
0: I'm sure it's the way with a lot of cases. Like somebody might not even think that what they know is very important. Right. But it could be.
1: Exactly. People believe something is very insignificant when when in reality that's the one piece that's needed to, you know, solve something significant like this.
0: What should somebody do if they do think they have information?
1: Man, whatever the public service number, you know, would be for for us, give Mm -hmm. that number out, have them call, um, and look into it, man. I mean, you know. No, any information is good information on it.
0: Right, yeah. It's the longer, further out from the time the crime was committed, too, the less chance we have. Oh, of, abso- absolutely, absolutely.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, Duga, we appreciate you coming on the podcast and talking about this. Hey, no, those problem. Very much. no problem. No problem.